Look at the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have cams on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like up. that. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing ever. It, it go, I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Before we begin today's episode, we're going to quick thank some of the companies that helped make this show possible. Not sure if you guys have heard, but HuntWise has come out with what it calls HuntCast 2.0. Recently, they partnered with Jeff Sturgis, who has decades worth of data, and they've taken that data to compile a prediction as to when you should be out in the woods. So they, they rank it on a scale of 0 to 100%, or the way we prefer it is deer. So when it's a five-deer day, you better be in the woods. So check it out, become an elite member, and learn how to maximize your time in the field, because really, you can't put a price on a good hunt. Tree saddles. We've all heard of them, and we love using them. Why? They're lightweight, they're easy to use, and if you use the right company, you can have everything you ever need for saddle hunting. In walks Trophy Line. <laughs> Trophy Line <laughs> just came out with a platform this year called the Mission Platform, and they came out with sticks to go with it. So why else would you want to use another company? Go to TrophyLine.com, use the promo code BOGA, Hunting TL20. <laughs> Worst code ever. <laughs> <laughs> Longest code ever. But do it because you get a good discount. You get 20% and it's good off. stuff. Trophyline.com. A lot of people ask us why we partnered with First Light. And it's because they have amazing systems, and the base of all those systems is around merino wool. Merino wool is great because it keeps you warm when it's cold out and cold when it's warm out because it pulls moisture away from your body. And best of all, it doesn't stink. No so stink. So if you're looking for a, a great new system, can't recommend them highly enough, firstlight.com. We all know that Vortex is the leader in optics, so we can't say enough good things about them. We love them. We use them in the field every time we're out there. But what most people don't know is their clothing line is just as good. There's a brand new fall line that's just come out. We've got a couple of pieces from that line, and they are freaking awesome. So if you want to save 20% on your next purchase, head over there and use the promo code BOGA20 at checkout for 20% off. Jared, how much do you weigh? Probably two, I'm pushing 200. Well, I got good news for you, pal. If you drop in the woods, throw my Seek Outside pack on, throw you in the meat hauler, I'm dragging you out full one trip. The Seek Outside short tail. The pack that we decided to run this year at Boga Hunting works in a tree stand, hauls a lot of weight, cinches down or expands based on what you need, and it's great for hiking too. If you want to save 5% off in your next purchase, use the promo code BOGA. One more thing before we jump into this episode with Jake Downs. The sound quality is only okay on this episode. This is what happens when you try to record without Jared. It gets a little staticky, and for that I apologize. But there's great content in this conversation. Jake has a huge bank of knowledge, and he's an awesome guest to have on. He's a repeat guest, and so we really hope you enjoy this episode. Actually, I was stuffed, quick stuff and stuff in my face before the podcast, too, so I, I can understand that. Well, good. Cool. How have you been? Not too bad, man. How about you? Good, good. Staying busy. Hunting season's uh, kind of in full swing. 
here, so I'm happy. Yeah, me too, man. I'm, I was thinking I was going to have to cancel on you because I'm supposed to, uh, Aaron's going to go shoot a buffalo tomorrow, or he's going to shoot it today, but it's just north of where I live, so I'm going to run up there and hang out with him, so I thought, but anyway, we pushed it back, so it worked out. That's awesome. Wait, he's got he's got a tag or something. This is in you're in Nebraska, so he's he's headed out to Nebraska for. He's going to South Dakota. Okay. Um, he's just gonna go shoot one off a ranch for the meat, test broadheads and stuff. So. It's a good animal to test broadheads on. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm gonna go up there and hopefully sneak away with some of his meat because that's the best damn meat oh, there is. So good. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a solid move right there. Are you, you, now, are you gonna be on the hook for helping him? carry anything out or are you literally showing up for the meat and the, the experience uh no nah, well we, we shouldn't have to carry it anywhere i'm guessing this thing's gonna be standing in a pasture i, I don't know <laughs> uh like a lot of these south Dakota, nebraska ranches have buffalo on them and they'll let right. you quote hunt them for whatever and then you just take you know take the meat or whatever but um it's like shooting your own I, cow for, well, I don't know. I honestly, I've never done it. I shouldn't say. No. Um, the one one buffalo that my my brother in law had was so wily. It was I don't know. It was a it would be a rodeo getting close to it with a bow. Yeah. So yeah, that would be an experience. I'd love I love to try that sometimes. Um, you know, the, uh, down yeah. the road, probably a mile and a half, two miles from my house, there's a guy who's got he's got his own bison herd. You know, it's. But they're very fenced in, and it's not a big fence, so the hunt would not be very hard, uh, and it would probably yeah. have to be at night. He would not be thrilled with me, uh, you know, popping one of his uh, his buffalo. <laughs> so, well, you know, let's let's just jump right into it. Um, Sounds good, man. We had you on months and months ago. We talked a little trad hunting and everything else, but you know, since then you've you've had a lot going on. Uh, you've been busy out in the woods. How's your season going so far? Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't complain. I feel like, um, I mean, I've lost a few opportunities with COVID. Um, I was supposed to go to Canada, uh, moose hunting with Aaron here first of this month. And that obviously got ex nade because the Canadian government's uh, crazier than ours. And then, uh, we were actually supposed to go to Alaska uh, blacktail hunting, which we could have done, but, uh, just with things in my business and things kind of slowing down, I just didn't want to, uh, make such a long trip, I guess. So I, I've had some pretty good success, but, uh, I'm, I look at this year as, as, uh, kind of a weird one, I guess, but Yeah, it's been unpredictable. It's like I think that's part of it. You know, no one really knows what's going to happen, or will there be another big wave of shutdowns? Yeah, yeah. I've I've hunted a ton this year because we've slowed down quite a bit at work. Um, you know, we were crazy this summer, but uh, things have slowed down a little bit. Not not like uh, you know scary or anything. Just just slowed down, which I I usually do it this time of year anyway. Um, just so I can do what I need to do hunting wise, but so I've gotten to hunt quite a bit, went to New Mexico and, and hunted elk and just, I don't know that the, they were just weren't rutting and had a pretty good antelope season. So yeah, you did three, three, and was that in different state? Was that three in three states? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I had a, I drew a Wyoming tag 
And then uh, I got a buddy that's an outfitter up in South Dakota, where my wife's from. And uh, I went up there and hunted with him and then here in Nebraska. So yeah, um, it was kind of a goal of mine. When, once I drew that, I'd already talked to my buddy up there about hunting with him. Once I drew that Wyoming tag, I was like, man, I'm going to try to go three for three with the stick bow. Yeah, you're uh, actually that, that's a good thing that, that you, you brought up. So you, you mentioned you're, you're hunting a lot. You mentioned your wife. Now, you have a earn your fall uh, type of would you call it a campaign? Like, what would you call the earn your fall? Um, well, honestly, like, uh, that was just something I came up with because, I mean, I'm probably going to get some flack for saying this, but um, I feel like people are way too into working out. And I'm not saying don't work out. Like, I do uh, as much as I can to prepare. But I feel like all these challenges out there are just about fitness. Right, And I feel like, honestly, 90% of what I'm seeing on, like, social media is dudes working out, and those dudes could carry me to the top of the mountain, but they're going to have to, because most of them don't kill anything. I, I, like, I just don't, it may sound jaded, and I'm not saying that, uh, it, it just gets irritating that everything is just about shooting your bow and fitness. Right. And... Really, what I was trying to get at is it, there's a whole aspect of it. You got to have the family life. You obviously got to work, um, and then you got to do your fitness and uh, shooting your bow and preparing your gear and whatnot. So, right. it was it was mostly just a thing to have, and it was really cool. Um, you know, my buddies make fun of me for the earn your fall. They're always uh, throwing out earn your fall, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, well, it just made sense. Really, what and it was, you know, I still, uh, Aaron had earned your day, or he said something like that to me, and I was like, oh, damn it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I kind of stole it and changed it. But anyway, it, really what it was about is, is just people being family men and being, you know, normal dudes, doing their normal stuff, but also getting their workout in, also getting, yeah. you know, long days at the office or work. Or, you know, I had guys everywhere from lawyers, to construction guys like me, to mechanics and all sorts of stuff. It was, it was just cool to have people, you know, hey, you know, I worked 13 hours today. Then I went and, uh, you know, worked out. And then, you know, I spent two hours with the kids doing homework. Like, that's the kind of stuff yeah. that just doesn't get to be seen out there. And I don't know, people look at me like I'm some, uh, well, not, I mean, I shouldn't even, it's not like I'm known, that well known. The people that, I that do know me think that you know I get everything for free and I've gotten a lot of stuff for free but it's not like I don't have contracts with people it's right. just because Aaron hooks me up or somebody knows that I'm hunting with him and and they 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 hook me up it's not a like I'm not a hunting quote celebrity at all right. not not even close like I I don't see myself as that but that's what I wanted to get across. Like I'm a normal dude that gets yeah. to hunt a ton because I made my life this way and, and others can do it. So that's really what it was all about. Well, it's really, I mean, it's easy for you to say, I mean, you, you got washboard abs. Like I saw you crack <laughs> out a couple hundred pushups the other day. So like that comes <laughs> naturally to you. Uh, yeah. Well, you must be watching somebody else's Instagram. This or is something. Cameron Haynes, right? That, that's... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, no, uh, and it's true. I mean, it's a lot of, I think a lot of 
at least for us, probably the biggest, you know, other than work, uh, one of the biggest things is just to balance family life with, with going out in the woods and, and hunting. So, you know, I've got two younger brothers, one who, who actually just got married, the other one who is not even dating. And, uh, you know, that's a whole separate issue. But I've been telling him, like, you, he loves to fish with a lot more than hunt. So I'm like, you should be fishing all the time. You don't understand when you, you know, get a family and everything, those opportunities are a little bit more limited and you have to work a lot harder to, to get them uh, kind of going. And so, yeah, yeah I, I've been just appreciating the earn your fall. And I, I get like, you know, you, you've been given a hard time for it, but it's very true. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just buddies, you know, whenever you come up with a hashtag, you might as well just experience. <laughs> right. You're going to get some lashings, which is which is cool. But yeah, uh, but you're talking to the boga hunting. Like if I we have, <laughs> I mean, like how much more can you get made fun of for a name than something like boga? Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and don't get me wrong, like, I'm not taking anything away from Cam Haynes or any of these other guys no. that do, do the uh, extreme, and, and I know Cam's an extreme family man. I don't know, for me, it was it was just something I wanted to get across. I, I got sick of people acting like, you know, everything kind of came easy for me, and, and I didn't have to work, all I did was hunt. And, must be nice. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Must be nice. So, so I was just like, hey, I'm going to start sharing this stuff. Um, and I want to get other people involved. So it's, it's just been kind of cool. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. You're, you're, so you're headed to yeah, uh, tomorrow, South Dakota tomorrow. And then you've got, when, where are you hunting next? Like, uh, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was, so we've got this thing, this phenomenon that I'm not sure that you ever heard of. It's called the rut coming up. You know, it's like this thing everybody's excited about. So I wanted to talk Weird. a little bit about, yeah. <laughs> Like what your plans were for for hunting the rut, and you know how you how what like what your style of, of hunting for for, for, uh, for whitetail and the rut is. Well, uh, I'm definitely not a at all an expert on whitetails um, at all. Do you say that I, though? But look at your anybody who's listening, go to his Instagram, and look at all the pictures of the animals you put down. And I mean, you you well, might I, be considering yourself an expert, but like your pictures kind of say otherwise. Well, what I've always told people is I hunt so many different species that I'll never be an ex- expert at any one of them. Right. But I get enough trigger time that I know how to kill something once I'm put in a situation. Sure. Um, so, so you know, I've, I've developed some friendships with people that, um, you know, own land or whatever for different places, different species, and outfitters and different, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go, actually, so I'm going up to South Dakota with Aaron, just hang out, help him cut that monster up, and just, you know, hang out for a day since for, it's been a while, and then, uh, actually, I'm leaving from there to go um, basically straight south into Nebraska to my buddy's place. He, he lives in the Sand Hills, and we're going to hunt, we're going to hunt whitetails probably for a long weekend, yep. this weekend, and then, uh, looks like we're going to get a cold front. So hopefully he's got some massive deer there, but um, I'm kind of the coal buck guy, really. You know, good guy um, to be though. You're going to be more successful. I, you know, hundred percent fine with that. I, I'm all about that, to be honest with you. I, I, I honestly like big, gnarly, weird deer. I yeah. mean, he's got some old bucks. I consider him trophies, but he considers them coal bucks. So going to go do that, and then uh, actually going to PA for. Um, the rut. I, I I guess first part of 
well, I don't, I think it's around like the 10th or 11th of November. I fly out, just had a, a guy that I've talked to a bunch on Instagram invite me over and looks like he's got some pretty decent deer. So going to go give that a shot and see how never that goes. Hunted, what's the farthest east you've hunted in the past? Uh, well, I hunted Alabama. Other than that, I really haven't hunted, you know, much eastern whitetails. I've, I've just always hunted, you know, Nebraska. Honestly, with whitetails, I haven't hunted that much. That's why I say I'm not an expert. I've hunted a lot in Nebraska, shot, a, you know, a few good ones. Yeah. Um, and then I hunted in Texas with Topo, Texas last year and uh, had an awesome hunt there. But other than that, I really haven't ventured out. This will be kind of my first go-round. Yeah. So this is awesome because it's the first time I've been able to had a trip that just kind of fell right because see they hunt our whitetails with rifles right in the middle of the rut so yeah it starts i can't remember like the 10th or 11th year and goes for a week with two weekends on each side and i just don't usually go out in the woods during that week usually the worst week of my life i usually get a quite a bit of work done but it's just dangerous out there here in nebraska so this will be cool i'll be I'll be gone for that, which is nice. Yeah, that is it. Get out, get out of there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you a? Are you a? I always see you hunting on the ground. Are you? Do you hunt out of a tree too? Uh, I do. Um, lately, I've been more. You know, if I'm going to stand hunt, I like being on the ground more. Um, just the, I like the uh, adrenaline I get, which I get. I I enjoy being in a tree. I feel like I realize <laughs> this is stupid, but. Um, you know, a deer's chest is about as wide as it is tall. That whole thing about, uh, you know, the angle and whatnot yeah. is probably not as prevalent, but if you get up there high, you know, you could get one lung if you get, you know, Yep. I guess I just prefer to be on the ground and it's, it's a lot of fun and the blind will help, you know, shape, you know, keep your scent in. But, uh, you I just big blind to fit that, that recurve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I usually buy the XL versions. I've been, uh. This year, I sat in a, one of them Z-neck blinds. I don't yep. know if you heard of them. Yep. They're, they are, I think they might be the ticket uh, for me anyway. I bought a couple of them for my buddy. But, yeah, I just prefer to be on the ground, but I do sit in a tree every now and then. Um, moving a blind is a lot easier than moving a tree stand, to me True. anyway. Yep. And, and a lot of what I'm hunting, like, uh, like I went hunting last night in the sand hills, and I'm just hunting this big field on fence crossings obviously there's no trees in sight so but like you said last night they came they came out about 200 yards up the fence line so i i honestly just right before dark got out and spooked the deer off the field and then moved my blind up yep. in hopes that you know they'll get used to it over the next week or so that's the thing about some of these ranch deer they're used to farmers and ranchers out there putting you know, moving tanks and doing, you know, doing this and that. So they're kind of used to that kind of stuff. And if you leave it up for a while, they get, they, you know, once they walk by it a couple of times, they're good to go. So I'm assuming your deer are a lot like the Alabama deer. I only hunted there once, but they're a, they're a psycho deer. They're a lot different than our deer. Um, and when I was hunting last night were mule deer. They were, they're a, they're a different critter. Honestly, what we use for, for whitetails is bale blinds. Yeah. Uh, okay. Those work really well, and then uh, and then tree stands. So yeah, on a whitetail, I guess 
I, I've used them in, in certain spots, but like you said, I, I usually brush them in yep. and leave them for a while and yep. then they, they, they work pretty good. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't probably try that on a, yeah, heavily pressured, uh, psycho deer. No, that's, that's right. I like that. Uh, now when you're hunting, say, you know, the rut or, or whatever, are you an all day kind of guy? Uh, well, it just depends. To be honest, like I've only hunted the rut a few times, like the like the sure. peak rut, yep. because so long I've just stayed out of the woods during that time because of the, you know, I wasn't traveling to other states, and it just seemed so crazy um, here, yeah. and you know you got to wait orange and and people. Oh, right. Do you have is it gun season for the rut? It, by you? Yeah, right in the middle of the rut, they just an, annihilate them. So. I, I don't, and to be honest, when I've hunted the rut, mostly like what I've hunted rut in is, uh, uh, like in Arizona, I've hunted coos deer and, sure. and mule deer, um, you know, in January when they're rutting and, and, uh, I guess so I, to, honestly, to answer your question, I, I probably would say I'm a morning and evening guy, but yeah. if I was somewhere and somebody said, man, these deer are just crazy crank and moving i would sit all day i just don't have the experience to say uh i'm more of a do whatever it takes kind of guy like if i think that there's a chance i'll just i'll sit somewhere for i'll sleep there if i have to have you ever, have you ever so. slept there I've, I've been debating i've got a spot where i go at night just sleep sleep on the ground and then wake up and go again you ever done anything like that uh yeah i did it um well i did it when i bear hunted and <laughs> we slept in the blind uh when I was in Alaska for two days uh, or two nights, which was horrible. I was gonna say that's a um, that's a commitment right there. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, it was. That was that was that sucked mostly because it was a tiny blind and it was two of us, and there was these huge tree roots right in you know all over in the bot. Like they they had brushed it into this big tree, and oh, the sure. roots were sticking up everywhere. So um, that wasn't very much fun. No, that those are long sits, and well, so you've got so you're you're heading to Pennsylvania to a buddy out there. Uh, you, another question I had for you. So, are you a snack guy in the uh, in the tree stand? Uh, honestly, I'm always I'm I'm always a snack guy. I'm pro snack. You're pro snack. <laughs> yeah, I eat, I eat a lot. Yeah, I feel like I will break it up, so I'll bring food out and I'll uh, set times when I can have certain things, and I feel like it. Right. It's like a little reward. Right. Yeah. Oh, I've done that. Kind of get keep the time helps pass the time. Yeah. So um, otherwise, you're out there and you're just like after a few days, it's like, man, I could get up and move around. It'd be kind of nice. It's kind of cold out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I'm so bad that like when I antelope hunt, of course that's a 16, 17 hour sit. Yeah. Uh, well, 16 probably, and uh, I mean I'll take a full on cooler with ice and water and drinks and snacks and sandwiches and i mean like i go all out because when it's you know 100 and 100 degrees plus outside and way more than that inside you got to have something and then that's even worse than whitetail hunting i think you know when you're sitting in a tree and it's kind of cool out and you know leaves are falling squirrels are running around i mean that yeah, I mean, it's something to look at, and you just feel like you're hunting. When you're sitting in a hot box, and you're staring at a water hole with 
maybe a bird that flies off it here and there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. there's nothing to look at, and you know you're going to be there for the entire day. It's it's a little bit different feeling than hunting. You know what I mean? You feel like yeah. you're just kind of wasting time. Well, it's, so time kind of drags on it's that. Very, one. it's very different. You're right. Like, uh, so this year, I think 27 of 50 days, last 50 days, I've been out camping kind of your way, like west of you. But that meant I, I've spent a lot of time in, you know, Wyoming, through Nebraska, and like, you know, pronghorn environment and habitat is, is not the most exciting, you know, uh, area. Uh, it's just like, no. it's dry, it's, there's not much to look at, there's not many trees around, there's definitely nothing that they need to jump over, because, you know, from what I can tell, they really can't. Yeah, hunting pronghorns is, it's really, it, whether you do it, I mean, spotting and stalking them is, is a lot of fun. It's just, a, it's, it's very difficult because, you know, unless they bed in the perfect spot, yeah. which I have had them do, but um, if they don't, basically all you're doing is running them around, right. um, which I was doing some public land hunting, and that's all the guys that I were, I was watching guys make stalks, and I just wanted to, like, go hit them in the head. I'm like, don't even stalk that antelope. It's not worth it. It'd get to 150 yards in a way of run, but sitting in a blind is is over water with nothing in the distance. That's pretty mentally taxing, yeah. no yeah. doubt. Are you running trail cameras for for whitetail by you? Yeah, um, I run a few. Um, to be honest, I don't even like my buddy. I do most of my Nebraska hunting. Um, at my buddy's place, which yep. is about three and a half hours from here in the sand hills. And he's constantly sending me, you know, trail cam pictures and, uh, he's doing all the work. Right. Like I'm just a trigger man, uh, which he loves cause you know, I'm all excited about killing these cold deer and he, he just <laughs> loves that. So it works out good for both of us, but like out here where I'm hunting mule deer, um, I've got, you know, some trail cameras on some fence crossings and, yep. and uh, I got one blind I set up for, uh, whitetail does that they were hammering a spot and now they're moved. They've, <laughs> they've moved to another spot, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do run trail cameras. I need a guy that will run trail cameras for me. It would be nice, right? It is, it is nice. I have, I have a pretty, pretty good setup for whitetails here. Other than I have, you know, it's a travel deal. I, I used to have a, a couple of chunks of land just right outside of town that were really good hunting. Of course, I didn't know what I was doing, so I didn't do very well. And then they got the land, got hands changed, and they got leased up. And yeah. so I just haven't found anything locally to really go at myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've been thinking about trying to get something going for myself, but I travel so much hunting you know other states and whatnot when i get back you know it's i usually just focus on mule deer and i usually have an antelope tag so i don't even worry too much about whitetails around here i think it's time for a break yeah we we were getting long-winded yep it's time for a break we're gonna thank a couple of our uh couple more sponsors who doesn't love smoked meat jared communist that's who doesn't (laughs) like smoked meat if you're not a communist Check out Gorilla Grills. So whenever you go out to the field and you procure your own game, mm-hmm. you can bring it back and press your wife, your husband, your kids, your, your friends, fam- friends, your family, anybody with your smoked meat. Check out GorillaGrills.com. 
for all your smoking needs. Everybody knows that arrows are the lifeblood of the hunting industry. If you're a bow hunter, your worth is measured in the amount and the quality of arrows that you have. If you have good arrows, and a lot of them, you are arrow rich. And everybody wants to be arrow rich. Everyone wants to be arrow rich. In one way of doing that, using vector arrows. Why? They are the best. They are tough. You can go to their website, enter all your bow specs in, and they'll spit out the exact arrows that you need. Check them out, vectorcustomshop.com. And be arrow rich. If you're looking for quality, handmade, traditional archery equipment, look no further than Bivouac Bow Co. Jim and Georgia, actually we had them on the podcast, episode 93, check it out. Handmake bows, they have years of experience, their machining is precise, and their products are beautiful. Check them out at bivouacbowco.com. And finally, I want to introduce a new sponsor of the show. Wild Pursuit Wellness makes premium CBD products. It's all natural, broad spectrum CBD, meaning that there is less than 0.0% THC. It only has two ingredients, CBD and MCT coconut oil. It can be ingested or used topically on the skin to help with muscle soreness or joints. We we use it a lot after long hikes or, or sits out in the woods. It's grown and extracted right in the Rocky Mountains, and it's shipped directly to you anywhere in the United States. It's great CBD at an extremely low price, and it can be even lower if you use promo code BOGA for 20% off at checkout. Check them out, wildpursuitwellness.com. How, at what point do are you seeing mule deer like in the state? Uh, honestly, I don't really know, but I would say right, you know, about central Nebraska is kind of the, the end of where they roam. Yeah. Um, but I honestly can't say because I haven't hunted much that that even that far but i know you know there's some spots kind of central nebraska that it still hold hold mule deer and you know some good ones too yeah are you guys do you see you know with that overlap you know and I, this might be a dumb question but I, I live out east so i don't know any better uh do you see a lot of like hybrid like a mule deer whitetail hybrid type deal you know i don't really notice a bunch of them i've seen a few yeah my dad shot one he's got a pretty good one I, uh, unless it's not super prevalent, you know what I mean? Like, unless it's not real obvious, but I, I honestly have only seen a couple that I was like, Oh, that's a hybrid. No doubt. Right. So uh, honestly, the, the mule deer will pretty much stay out. Whitetails can screw up a mule deer pretty spot pretty quick. Like they did. Actually, that's why the mule deer had moved up the fence. I had, um, the, the mule deer were using this one spot pretty heavily and then once i got my trail camera out i realized why they were uh why they were up the fence you know a couple hundred yards because the whitetails had started using that spot pretty heavily yep so i'm looking online here it's uh let's see my university of miami they have diagrams for how different deer run so they've got the you know the whitetail regular which to me looks regular then the weird mule deer run that's kind of like a hop then they yeah. have the hybrid, which is like a mix. I don't know how they figured that out, but yeah, that's. Uh, huh. So you've got some some big hunts coming up, Pennsylvania. Uh, are you uh, are you like? Do you feel like you're prepared for a, for a hunt out east? Like, do you have everything together? Are you bringing stands out? Is that all set up for you? What's that? What's that look like? Um, Don, he's got it pretty well set up. It sounds like so. I don't have to bring anything out. I'm flying out. Yep. So I'll uh, 
basically I'll do what I normally do with whitetails and just say, hey, put me somewhere. Yep. <laughs> Whatever you think is best, I'll just go there and uh, I'll have a great time. And and uh, if something comes in, I'll try to kill it. Yeah, I like <laughs> so, that. I can pre- uh, so actually, that's a, that's a question I've had for you. I've, I've been watching your stuff. When you're traveling, right, are you shooting a three-piece mm-hmm. takedown? Yeah. This is something I've been thinking about just personally. Uh, how do you keep your string twist when you take your bow down, you throw it in your, your yeah. backpack or whatever? How do, how, do you, how do you keep that? Okay, I'll tell you exactly what I do. So yeah. what I do, I take my string off. I don't let it untwist. And you take your two loops together, yep. and you run one inside the other, and then pull the other one out so they stick together, if that makes sense. So you shove the one inside of it, and then you pull the other one back through, so it kind of twists them together, and then they never uh, come apart, and then I just stick them in my little box, and away you go. And then you'll just throw them on, and you'll you'll measure your brace height when you get there. Yep, yep, and if you need to throw a twist in or something, but I've I've rarely, you know, with that system, it works pretty good. You know, usually it's pretty close once you put everything together, shoot it a few times, and you're you're ready. Yeah, that's been a big thing i've been trying to figure out like how to keep twi- do you, you you don't do a clicker do you i'm off and on with the clicker mostly no when i hunt i okay. i use a clicker more for training like in the summer yeah if i start or if i start uh, having a trouble if you see one on my bow uh if somebody ever films me shooting something they'll say that i didn't hit the clicker well that it, usually it's because i set my clicker and then i just have it sticking a piece sticking out so i can pull it so it's so long i couldn't get to it Right. Um, because I don't like to hunt with one. I just ha- can't mentally do it. Is it the noise or like the click or what? Is that what messes you up? No, honestly, it's my brain. Um, yeah. If I start thinking in the moment about hitting a click and doing all this crap, I fall apart. Like that's something I do in training, trying to, you know, make myself better or whatever. Yeah, but-, but at the moment, I just want all that to be instinctive. All I want to be doing is focusing on where I want the arrow to go. And what that animal's doing. So but that's totally different than what a lot of guys say. A lot of guys 100%. are like, you need this process. You need to think through it. Yeah, yeah. And I and I don't disagree with them. Yeah. I don't. That's just for me. And I don't. If that works for you, then that's what you should do. Yeah. But I feel like there's a a thing out there now that you have to do it this way, or else you're not doing it yes. right. And that's that's to me that's wrong. Right. Yes, technically you may be doing it wrong, but if it's working, why are you changing? Right. That's where I get into trouble is when I try to do something that somebody else is doing and then I fall apart. So I just got to thinking, you know, I'm just going to do it my way until it doesn't work. And then at that point I will, you know, seek some help. So I wouldn't change what you're doing if it works. Yeah. If it doesn't work, then, you know, do something different. But No, you know, I, I can appreciate that. So I've, I'm three, this is my third season in. And I got very much like, well, I have to do it this way. It doesn't feel, it doesn't, I don't shoot as well this way. And obviously I don't have like a coach around to, to really work with me. So I started just kind of doing my own thing. Talked to Jim and Georgia from Bivouac. And they're like, just kind of go, like you said, go with what works. Have fun. You know, I'm, I'm very similar when I'm hunting. The le- if, I, if I think about things, like I'm, I'm usually a wreck. Um, if I'm thinking about my shot or thinking about anything other than, like you said, I am just looking exactly where I need to hit and really not thinking like my conscious brain is really not thinking anything at all. It's like, it's a skill I have just to have no thoughts going through my head. 
if an animal just walked out there and just stood there for 20 seconds or 30 seconds all the time, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But for me, what causes, if I start thinking about a shot process in the moment, yeah. I'm always thinking, what if he moves in the middle of this? And, and I don't know, these guys have a, a way of remedying that or whatever, yeah, you know, sure. they, you, you can stop it anywhere or whatever. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's easier for me to just get it ingrained in, in practice and then just let it happen and, and just be, you know, in that moment with that animal and, and, uh, and kill him. So yeah, it's worked for me, but I wouldn't suggest changing to that or to anybody else's, you know, if, if you're just going to try to, you know, if you heard that somebody does it this way and they kill a lot of stuff, don't go, I mean, you try it if that's something that, uh, you know, if you're having trouble, definitely try something sure. new or get a coach or whatever. But um, no, yeah, I think people just look at, I think people just look at what other people are doing and say, oh, I'm not doing it right. There's so many situations out there. That's like that last mule deer I shot in South Dakota. That's why I shared that situation because, yeah. you know, people uh, see a lot of animals on the ground or whatever. And then they think that that's just, you know, that I just go out there and just, the animal just dies and, and things never happen yeah. where, it, you know, I mean, stuff happens. Animals move, you know, wind, it's so uncontrollable. It's not even me and my buddy, the same guy I hunted antelope with. He's a great dude. Anyway, we were, we snuck up on this deer and sat on him for, uh, oh man, like two hours. And, uh, it was super windy. And of course there was a tinier coal buck with him. Yep. That in normal situations, I would have shot, but he was like right up high, right up against the edge. At, at one point, we were, you know, three or four yards from him. Could have jumped on his back type of thing. But he was causing us not to be able to see the, the big mule deer, which was like nine yards away in a deep sa sandy bed. You know, they get these beds wore down where they got like a face uh, of dirt behind them where, you you know, you can't see anything but, but racks. So. Yep. We watched for so long until we just couldn't take it anymore. And my buddy went and made a big circle and got out there, you know, I don't know, two, 300 yards and just kind of, you know, made them. What we we're hoping is that they would just stand up, which it would have worked, except for the little one stood up first and he was actually facing the other direction. Well, he turned around and when he did, he walked right. Literally, he was eye level with me four yards away, yep. and his eyes got to about the size of a cantaloupe, <laughs> and he took off running, and when he took off, I knew that other buck was going to stand, so I went to full draw as he came up and and just started moving, you know, moving up towards me out of his bed. You know, I may get, like I said before, I haven't gotten any hate over it, but um, I may get some hate for taking that shot because he was moving. You know, he wasn't, like, uh, on a full run at this point, but he was moving, you know, they can move out of their bed pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and I shot, and I think because of the angle and the fact that he was moving, yep. um, I hit him just a little bit, like, maybe last rib. We thought liverish, Okay. Um, because we were getting blood. You know, we thought maybe part of the, the right lung and, and liver, and but it exited the guts. I mean, there was guts on the arrow. Okay. Yeah, you hate to see um, that. Oh, yeah, you do, but like I said, if you ain't shot a deer in the gut, 
Yeah, but you can hate me all you want. If you ain't shot a deer in the guts, you ain't hunted because deer move. Um, we make bad shots. It happens. Yeah. Um, I did not feel uncomfortable with that shot. I would take that shot again. People can, like I said, I'm not a hunting celebrity. If somebody wants to talk to me about hunting ethics, that's fine. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I would, and that's what I said. I said, uh, if you, if you think that's an unethical shot, come and start running at nine yards and see if you feel comfortable. Right, right, right. Because I, I'm honestly probably, you know, if, if we took a, a target and made it at nine yards, I could probably hit the lung size, you know, most of the time. So anyway, I feel confident in that shot, Yeah. but it just didn't work out. We trailed that deer. Um, and I, we don't know really what happened. I think he got in this real thick, deep bottom and we, he kind of made back and forth where we don't know where, and then we couldn't find where he exited. And, uh, so we gridded, miles and miles we we searched for him for three days uh we spent two nights we we went to my buddy's place and got caught and set him up we were hoping that we'd hear the the coyotes serenading over my over their dinner yep and we'd you know go find him that way that you know at this point we were just looking you know we knew that after the first day that the meat had probably spoiled the next day was pretty warm so yeah. At this point, we're just trying to locate him, you know, um, and we spent three days looking. And at that point, I needed to go home and do some work. So um, I left. But Ryan, my buddy, he he was relentless and he kept looking. It ended up being the, the landowner um, was out just hiking draws. And they actually found him in a draw that we had hiked before. Yep. But. Uh, what had happened was the buck brush is about hip high. And I told Ryan, I was like, man, you could miss this thing and be two feet away. You know, yeah, even if you're yeah. gridding, gridding through this th- stuff, it's so tall. Um, and that's what happened. We just missed him and the coyotes had drug him out in the open. So the landowner found him. So, you know, I'm, I'm super like, it doesn't take it away from me. Right. Uh, I don't feel like I made a. I I obviously made a bad shot, but I don't feel like I made a mistake in shooting at that deer. Right. Because I felt confident in it, and that's the thing. They, these people that want this perfect shot always, you're not going to kill anything. Like you want to be confident. Like there's no doubt. Like you don't want to take a shot that you're like, oh well, maybe. I hope no, that kills. You want exactly. You don't want that. But there is. Very few situations where you're going to get a perfect shot. So if you feel confident, take that shot. Yeah. If you don't feel confident, obviously don't take that shot. But So I don't feel like I, I took a, a shot that I can't make. Um, it just didn't work out for whatever, you know, things happen. Yeah. Um, and we ended up finding him. I'm going to have him mounted. I had another cape from another deer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I feel... We and the other thing that I feel great about is we put every effort in. Exactly, like we, I love that. We, yep. we spent, you know, two nights freezing our butts off. We'd hear coyotes and we'd go up and and like sit on the top. It, you know, the moon was up. The worst part is the wind was blowing so hard that we didn't have any birds to look for. Yep. Um. So you know, we'd hear where the coyotes were. We kind of mark them, and then in the morning we'd go up and we'd glass, and then we'd walk that draw. And, I don't feel bad about that. And that's what I wanted to get across to people is I, not that I don't feel bad that I didn't recover the animal. I don't feel bad um, that I, you didn't blow, you know, it. that like, I'm not going to not mount that deer. I'm yeah. not going to say, Oh, I, I screwed up. 
I did everything in my power, and that is the way things go sometimes. If you're not prepared for that, uh, I think it's just, you know, if you just think that all hunting is shoot them in the heart and they fall over dead, um, obviously that's what we're striving for. But well, That's why you practice and everything else, but it doesn't happen that yeah. way. Yeah, if you've put in every effort, don't feel bad. Yep. Don't feel bad about yourself. You, you can feel bad for that animal, no doubt. Like, yeah. I obviously have some remorse for that animal. I'm not out here just, you know, like, oh, who cares? It's just, yeah, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, uh, don't beat yourself up. Don't take it out on yourself because things happen. Um, and respect that animal. Once you, you know, once you find it, that's a trophy. Like, yeah. you, you know, yes, you killed that animal. Yes, you didn't get to eat him, but guess what? some coyotes and you know birds and other things they got to eat too so um well, nothing goes to waste it's never truly no, like never. totally a waste never um yeah i mean i just feel like some people kind of lie about that part of hunting and and some people need to lie about that you know some of these high higher up uh guys that have a ton of eyes on them not you know not under eyes yeah um they don't understand that aspect some of those guys careful. need yeah yeah, some of those guys I feel like probably need to lie or, or feel like they do because they're going to get ridiculed and it's going to be a bad black eye for hunting. But for me, I'm talking to, you know, all my followers are, are hunters. You know, they're same boat as me. And those guys need to see that because when they when it happens to them, um, they've looked at all these higher up guys, all of these guys never wound anything or never you know, yeah. ha, you know, have a situation like this. No, that's bull. That's, yeah. I promise you happens. it's bull. It only, it, somebody is experiencing it somewhere. Well, um, you, just put in every effort. It's going to be where, you know, and everybody's had this, where you get there and it's like, well, the deer is down, but it is not dead. Now I have to make a decision about what I have to do. And it's like, there are, there are just these, these decisions that you have to make that are not so cut and dry and not so easy as it seems when you watch, you know, outdoor TV or whatever. Um, and so I appreciated when you post that because actually right around that time we had early doe season for us. So end of September, we've got an early doe season. Um, I went out, I had one, you know, handful of yards away, a kind of uphill actually. And I shot her high again. It was just a, not a good shot. It was a close shot. I don't know exactly why, like you said, I, I feel like I didn't make a bad decision in taking the shot or, you know, or anything about it. But I hit her high, and we tracked her, my daughter included, for three miles. You know, we, we tracked, and it's it's this is neighborhoods, so I like uh, not neighborhoods, but it's it is not uh, country fields, you know, that we're going through. Uh, so we're tracking her, tracking her. Um, we ended up not finding her. Actually, she showed up on my camera a couple weeks ago. She's still alive. But you know, I was trying to show my daughter, like when you no, when you draw blood on an animal, you you have to look until you absolutely. Like, there's just no way. Like, I even went and got my dog to find to find it and, and everything else, and, and so we, we lost her, and thankfully she's still alive, and I'm going to probably try to, you know, finish the job at some point. Yeah. Well, what people don't understand is nature is brutal, and yeah. these animals are used to um, – I, I don't want to get criticized for this, but I don't feel like an animal feels pain like a human. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. animals are always constantly hurting each other, you know. Yep fighting and and you'll see some gnarly stuff you know a buck with 
with like a, you know, or a bull with something like a uh, tine broke off in its head or yeah, yeah, it's like that actually like another bull's tine in its head and it's just bleeding and it's just out there eating. Yeah. Like animals are, their world to live is, is insane. You know, yeah. they're, and, and nature is brutal. Like yeah. these animals live outside all year long. Like that's, I think people put too much human, um, emotion on an animal and 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 no matter what you know you don't want any suffering for any anything but but at the end of the day nature is what it is and and those animals yeah they may hurt they don't know why but but it's kind of like as long as they can you know eat and drink um yeah it's not the same you know i i um, I'm not a biologist. I don't know 100%, but I, I know what I have seen. Yep. And uh, as long as you put in every effort and uh, just do everything you can, and yep. then you you know, you know don't have to lose sleep over it. You know, that's that's my theory. Well, I've heard it put this way. You know, when, when they talk, when people talk about, uh, and I really like this, this kind of way to think about it, but when you talk about, like, treating an animal humanely, you're not treating it humanely because there's any bit of humanity in that animal, right? It's an animal. But you're treating it humanely because you because of who you are as a human being, you know. So it's not it's not making them who you are. It's to take your elevated position, and then go and treating this animal in, in a in a responsible, ethical, you know, you know, way. That's you know a, a good steward of, of the kind of the resources and you know what creation is. Humans are the best, honestly, in my opinion. If a if an animal is going to die yep. before its natural death. Um, meaning it just, you know, passes away or whatever, which probably rarely happens. Yeah, right. Um, a human is its best cha- is its best opportunity to die quickly and cleanly because yeah. when predators kill stuff, it's not pretty. They don't care. Well, no, and they don't care if it's dead. You know, like they're uh, we've all seen coyotes and wolves and bears and stuff eat stuff while it's still alive. Like, oh yeah. That's just like I said. Uh, nature is brutal. Like they, it's all about survival and they don't have that emotion like we do. So, um, we are really, and that's the thing. Most people that are against hunting are 100% fine because that's the natural way. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I mean, yes, it is the natural way, but we are also part of nature. You know, we've been killing these animals for forever. So that's why, why, why is, why are we not the nat, you know, natural way? We just come up out of it. We shouldn't be. Yeah, we've just come up with uh, better ways to make it more humane. Yeah, like more, you know, less chance of failure. So, yeah, I think it's all, you know, not to go down that that uh, rabbit hole, but yeah, I think uh, as long as you put in the effort, you can, you know, feel good about yourself, yeah. and you know you did everything you could. Then that is what it is. No, I like that. It's a it's a good way, and it's something you know. For anybody who's listening, who's been in the position where you wounded an animal or you made a questionable shot or whatever, these are things you think about. At least at least I do. When I'm walking out, I'm like, man, did I do everything I should have done? You know. And then you're reminding yourself everything that you said, uh, Jake. Like, this is you know this is the right way to do it. I, I did it good and well. You know, well and good. And and that's really all you can do at the end of the day. Hundred percent. All you can do is the best you can do. And as long as you put every effort in, no matter, you know, 
into every aspect of it. Even, you know, I mean, if you don't practice at all and, and you, right. you're just constantly wounding stuff, that, that, even if you're trying every bit of trying to find every animal, uh, you need to practice more. Like that's, that's all a part of it. If you, if you feel like you practice, we all make mistakes. Yep. We all shoot poorly. And, and honestly, there is a ton of stuff that can happen from the second you release that arrow to where it hits an animal. Yep. I mean, that part of it is uncontrollable and uh, you can't beat yourself up over something like that. Like, yes, I released my arrow while he was moving. Yep. I felt a hundred percent positive. I, I had him. Uh, because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't at full tilt yet. I mean, he was just boiling out of his bed. Yeah. Um, felt pretty confident in it. You make a decision, you live with it. Well, and that confidence is, it's been, at least for me, uh, and especially with, with tr- like traditional equipment, like confidence is one of the most important things to be efficient out there. Like when my confidence is gone, I'm, my, I might as well just hang the bow up and and give it a day because uh like i it's like half of it it feels like for me is how confident i am when i'm out there what's funny for me with the stick bow it isn't so much about yardage with me um it's when i look at an animal come in i i may look like i may be sitting in a tree and i may look at something i'm like man if he comes up down that trail there's no way i'm gonna shoot him and then all of a sudden there's a deer stand there and i'm like oh yeah no that's that's well within my wheelhouse. Yep. Like I've got this or, uh, vice versa. I may range something at like 20 yards. And then when an animal's standing there, I'm like, no, I, I don't feel confident. He needs to come to yeah. here. So I, you know what I mean? Like it, it con- with the stick boat confidence, uh, really drives whether I'm going to shoot or not yeah. a-, a lot more than yardage. Yeah, it's, I love I love that you said that because I've I've had that last year I've had I had some deer in range and I'm just like I just something's not right, you know. Whereas in other times I had a you know a fairly long shot with with one of one of my recurves and I'm like no nope, that is a dead deer, and it works out the way that you you kind of tell yourself it works out. But like you said, it's yardage, especially when you're you know you shoot. I don't shoot gap. I'm I'm shoot more instinctive. Uh, it's just kind of like you know when you know. Yeah, that's what I really love about traditional archery is is everything, you know, the shot, the whether you're going to shoot, you know, there's not a lot of decisions to be made. Um, you kind of just, I mean, there is, but there isn't. You know, you just know. Yeah. In my opinion, uh, you know, if you do it long enough, you just know when to shoot, if you're going to shoot, you know, where to, where, yeah, it's, it's super... Uh, simple and you you really get to enjoy that moment and and i don't dislike uh hunting with a compound i'm trying to figure out how to be better at it people will say it's so much easier but i have terrible target panic with a compound i you know i just i just struggle with a compound to be honest with you um so when i pick one up i, I get a lot of hate like not hate but people are like oh why are you even doing that you know uh, but to be honest with you, I hunt with my compound just like I hunt with my trad bow. Um, I usually shoot stuff under 30 yards. Yep, same here. That was a reason why I'm like, well, why? You know, I, I when I was thinking about switching to, to a, a traditional bow, I'm like, well, all my shots are short. You know, like, in, especially in Michigan, we, we don't have a lot. Like, you just don't have a 70-yard shot that often uh, where, where we are, especially that where, where Jared and I hunt. So it's like, well... Might as well. I mean, stick bow is way more simple. It's lighter, like less crap to mess with. 
Well, and what I like about it is I honestly feel like I'm a more lethal killer, you know, 25 and in. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's simple. It's easy. It's quick. It's light. Um, um, In close quarters, it's, it's to me, a more lethal weapon than a, than a compound. Now, certain situations, yeah, you can get drawn before that animal gets to an opening or something. But honestly, I hate doing that because that's when they stop and then you're sitting there and then you got to let down. And I don't know anybody that can let down a compound that, you know, smoothly you know, to where it doesn't look like yeah, like jerking. arrows flopping around and jerking <laughs> forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I do. To me, uh, to me, close quarters, it, you know, but I switched it up to a compound here and there just, just for something new, you know, like some people like to hunt with a rifle here or a muzzleloader or shoot something different. It's just another um, aspect, but it's all fun. No, that's good. Well, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're coming up on time here. I know you've got stuff to do in your day, but I, I appreciate you, you taking the time and just kind of filling us in on what you've been up to and, and you know, sharing some of the, the, the ways that you approach hunting. Um, for people that are listening and that, that maybe haven't followed you, I want to do whatever I can to make you a hunting celebrity. I know you keep saying you're not. Uh, where, how can they find you? Um, it's Jake underscore D underscore Downs at um, on Instagram and then just Jake downs on, uh, Facebook. And, uh, that's pretty much, I do most of my stuff on, if you're going to message me, do it on Instagram. I mean, I, my stuff transfers over to Facebook, but I rarely check messages and stuff. I just don't do that much on, yeah. on Facebook. I barely have enough time to, to mess with Instagram. So no, good, good stuff. Well, Hey man, thank you again. And we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, man. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting. Join us next week, and we'll see you then.